Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of Leverage 2 Market Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. We're here today with Mike Connor, who is passionate about harnessing technology to create value for customers. He's the author of Creating Insanely Great Customers, and also a course on digital innovation and transformation that's called Competing for the Digital Future. He's been working at the leading edge of technical innovation for over 30 years as a senior leader in product marketing and management, business development, technical evangelism. He's made major contributions to companies like Apple, Adobe, Silicon Graphics, and other numerous startups. His current role is VP of Industry Innovation at the Silicon Valley Innovation Center, where he's chairing a conference in March of 2016 for the insurance industry called Customer Engagement at the Digital Edge. And that conference focuses on engaging and creating value for customers who are connected to intelligent ecosystems, products, and services. Welcome, Mike. Thank you very much, Linda. Glad to be here. Great. So tell us, we want to talk about, about these great customer engagements. And tell me, what is driving next generation customer engagement and experience? What's behind all that? Well, obviously, we've got a lot of technology that's come into play recently. And that technology is kind of shaping um, not only how we engage with customers, but why we engage with customers. So uh, the next is that uh, the next thing is that what we're watching form as as these take place is both an economy and a society that are moving increasingly to value outcomes as well as resource optimization. So just think about um, you know the scarcity that we're now seeing um, ownership of vehicles, things like Uber and so on, basically where people are saying, look, I don't really want to drive a car; I just want to have access to transportation. So those things um, are, are moving us toward changing that. And then also things like the Internet of Things, where we're now working with smart products, smart homes, smart cars, uh, smart cities, smart factories and office buildings. Um, that Internet of Things is starting to shift the boundaries between the physical, blur the boundaries between the physical and digital world. And then on top of that, we also have um, mobile, wearable, and even embeddable devices that are communicating now with sensor-rich, intelligent infrastructures in those areas that I just talked about. And um, so th those are the principal drivers. Uh, we now have access to more data, more information, and almost 24 by 7 digital access to our customers. Wow. So if we thought we had a lot going on before, we're going to have even more in the future. It sounds Absolutely. like it's, yeah, it's just exploding. And in fact, in my book, I, "Marketing Above the Noise: uh, Achieve Strategic Advantage with Marketing That Matters," I talk about this. That this is only going to get worse and worse and worse in terms of it could be overwhelming. It could be overwhelming for the customer, uh, the consumer who's kind of reaching all all this or or being um, being reached with all this, and it could be overwhelming for the companies that are gathering all this data. So, how do you build a next generation customer engagement? that looks and feels good to the customer and doesn't feel like stalking or, or capturing all this information just to, you know, to know who I am and where I'm going. What, what does that really good next-generation engagement look like? Well, I think that's a relationship that develops between those of us who are trying to bring 
new capabilities, new services, and, and help facilitate outcomes for our customers to them and their willingness to share information with us. You know, in the insurance world, for example, what we're seeing is more and more people are willing to share information if it helps them. Um, you know, if we look at telematics and autos, um, those kind of things where we basically have uh, devices and sensors in the car that are tracking, you know, what we're doing and providing feedback not only to the insurance carrier but also to us as a driver, um, people are willing to share that information in return for, you know, becoming better drivers and reducing their rates of insurance. So I think that's kind of a brokered dialogue. Um, but I think if you if we step back a little bit and you think about kind of some common services out there that we probably all have used, you know, think um, about Pandora or something like that, where there's mm -hmm. a lot going on behind the scene. You know, it's kind of tracking what you like, what you don't like, and then it's constantly monitoring the incoming um, array of new, uh, you know, music that's coming on stream, and based on your likes and, and dislikes, is presenting new options for you. So I think that the future of customer engagement is going to be almost more like this digital agent that's working for us on our behalf based on what we're willing to share uh, about ourselves and, and what we do in return for greater value. I think that's a great point, return for value. So it's not just the company trying to find information about me so you can sell me more things, but you can actually provide me more value. And I, I think we probably, you're, you're right, it's not just um, Pandora, but if you're on Netflix, if you're on Amazon, every time you're telling them what you do, if you, if you have one of those frequent um, shopper cards, whether it's at the supermarket or Target, whatever, they're starting to track everything that you do, but you're getting some kind of value back. So that's what really makes it worthwhile. So as a marketing group then, uh, because you know, we're, we're marketers, what do we need to do to get that journey off on the right track? A great question. And I think the most important thing is to really step back from the product that we're offering or the service that we're offering to a customer and ask, who is our customer? What are the most valuable outcomes that they're trying to achieve in their lives? You know, I don't care whether you're, you know, a manufacturing plant that's trying to, you know, get the best widget out or you're a person who's trying to figure out what the best way is to get your kid through college, uh, those kind of things. You really have to step back and say, what outcome creates the most value for my customer um, that I can make a contribution to? And then how do I re-envision how I engage and, and create that, that outcome, help them facilitate, or help facilitate that outcome for them and create that value for them by kind of expanding our view of um, the ways we can do that. In this digitally connected world, you know, we can tap into an amazing amount of data, an amazing amount of other, you know, digital providers and start to weave together, you know, services um, that create much more value for them. I think the, so the key there is that, you know, really it's, it's kind of what it always is, right? Who is your customer? What is it? that they value and how can you help them achieve that? Right. So I think that, right. that's the first step. The next step is to really kind of change the way we think about, you know, developing customer profiles and customer segmentation as marketing people. I think for many of us, you know, we, you know, we kind of go through the classic, you know, what SIC code is, you know, what's their demographic, other stuff. But I think if we start to look at um, what outcomes uh, are our customers looking for, and how do those segment? Uh, you know, how can we segment customers based on those outcomes? 
we're going to come away with a much better view of how we can create value for our, our, our customers. I think next, um, you have to stay on top of what's happening in these emerging technologies and digital ecosystems that are surrounding not only your customers but your industry. And you have to say, how can we, how can we harness these and put those to work for our customers uh, and for us? Wow. And that's a, I think that's a great way to start because you're, you're talking about going back to the basics, who's the customer, how do we create value, and then how do we change the way we, we look at who they are and then stay in touch with what's going on in terms of what's new and, and where can we provide competitive differentiation by being ahead of the curve. So tell me, Mike, what industries do you see that you think are going to be most impacted by all of this uh, transformation? Is this going to be kind of even around the board? Do you see that there are certain industries you think will be impacted sooner than others? Yeah, so I think in general the, the simple answer is everyone, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're all now, did, you know, like it or not, we're now all digital beings, and all of our businesses are digital businesses. Right. right? That, that's how we engage with the world and our, our family and our friends. But I think, um, you know, we've already seen uh, some of the industries have taken major hits. And you can think about um, the the media industry and what the Internet has done to that. You can think about the, the phone uh, and the music industries or media industries in general um, and look at what, you know, the disruption that's been brought by digital capabilities. Retail with Amazon, that's still going on and is not slowing down. Um, next up on the on the list is the financial services industries, banking, mm-hmm. insurance, investments, and so on. Um, and then, you know, on down into real estate professional services. I think longer term, we're going to see some major changes impact education. We're certainly already seeing a lot of movement in the health industries as we're starting to, you know, be able to connect to people through wearables and embeddables and have intelligent machines out there that are kind of connecting to an overall ecosystem. And then, you know, if you start to look at the, you know, autonomous vehicles, telematics in cars and so on, or, you know, transportation, um, those things um, are going to be the next on the list. And then, you know, you can just keep going. But I think the net is every if you're, if you're in any industry and you're not thinking about how your industry is being reshaped by digital technology and how your customers, uh, who they are, what they value, and how they create value in the world are being reshaped by digital technologies, you're going to lose. Right, right. So you've got to be really on top of this. So uh, can you tell me what's a good example of a company you see that really gets this digital transformation? And besides looking at the the companies that were born digital like Google or Amazon or Netflix or Pandora, but kind of an old brick-and-mortar company that really gets this and and knows, uh, or at least you think, knows what's going on. Yeah, so, and you've already hit, I mean, so we've got a couple here in the Bay Area, right? We've got, uh, and maybe those are in the born digital, right? So we certainly have, you know, Apple is probably the hallmark for all of us, right? Right. They've disrupted so many industries now. You know, Google is now taking that uh, same thing on. Um, But if you look at Uber, Airbnb, those guys are, again, kind of born digital, as you said. A company that that I've really kind of enjoyed watching um, is a very, very old guard company. Um, take on this whole kind of concept of digital t- uh, innovation and transformation uh, is General Electric. Okay. Um, they really, they've really at the at the board level said we have to basically move towards providing uh, services that uh, help create outcomes and help create value for people. They've got a whole software group 
here in the Bay Area that's focused on, um, you know, creating the, the software infrastructure uh, around um, the industrial Internet of Things. Um, and so there's a very old guard company who gets digital and has put billions of dollars to work um, at, at realigning their entire company's, uh, you know, culture, value set, vision, strategy uh, mm-hmm. to go digital. And I think we're going to see more and more companies follow suit. You know, obviously I'm working in the insurance um, uh, industry and, you know, we're starting to see, you know, more and more companies, you know, putting innovation outposts out here, um, putting labs out here, developing investment funds to invest in Silicon Valley because they get it. Now, is anybody doing it perfectly? No. <laughs> this is That's a journey. Okay. Right? You've got to start somewhere. It's yeah. a journey. It's a journey. So tell me, what do you see as the hardest adjustment? And I guess if we were to look at some of those older companies that have been around for a while, um, what's the hardest adjustment that you see for someone who's got to really make a big change to to really get into digital transformation? I, I think the hardest part really is is that change um, from a very, you know, most most of us kind of grew up in companies were very product focused, right? I mean, we, mm. we talked about we talked about being customer centric, but the bottom line is. We really, really focus on products, and I think the hardest change is to really step outside of that um, and look at um, who the customer is, what they're trying to accomplish, as we said earlier, and um, how to create value for them. So let's let's take a a quick example. Um, So so to me, that's the hardest part. The next is the change management process that has to take place within those organizations. Um, but it, it, let's go back to Kodak for a second. Here's a you know 110 year old company um, that um, had a group working on digital cameras and other stuff, and it pretty much got ignored and pushed down because um, the film business, which was the bulk of the revenue for the company, just basically did not want to see that thing get get birthed, right? So they just shut that down and pushed it out of the way. Um, and the net is um, they couldn't. They couldn't get around the change that they needed to go through um, to step into this next generation of, of photography that was coming. So I think for all of us, even people with like all the intent and conviction in the world, change is a very hard thing for us as humans, and right. even more so for large entities, right? So I think it's a, and, and so not only do we have to change, we have to basically build a culture that's set up for continual change because we can't really predict how all this stuff is going to uh, impact or change us, right? Right. Um, so I think I think it's that change, you know, figuring out how to become adaptive, uh, adaptive and agile in terms of um, how you're thinking about your 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 customers first, um, your industry second, and then and then your company, and, and realizing that if you're not tracking and pacing how the the uh, capabilities that enable um, the things that you're doing or your customers are doing, um, if you're not tracking the things that will, will give you a better way to do that, uh, you're going to lose. So you really have to stand outside of yourself and really look at it, um, you know, back from the customer's perspective and from a technology perspective uh, and say, okay, what new world is this creating and how do we create value within it? So I think that's, that's the hardest part is change. Yeah, and I, th- I think you're right. And, and I wonder sometimes whether it's possible for a company that is so entrenched in a old world industry like Kodak was with film 
to to really have the gumption to say we're going to move we're we're, we're going to kill our own children basically and and move forward and i wonder whether it's possible for um for an organization to do that and and certainly we see people like GE doing trying to do that but do you see this being generational at all does it require a new generation of managers to come in or or do we see people kind of that are still in the maybe baby boomer and and you know generation x world that are getting this as much as the um as the younger generation well uh so I, you know i'll use so, so one i think the the born digital generation um you know they really stepped into a paradigm that you know that we didn't have right right sure. um, you know i look at my daughters you know 15 and and, and 17 um and you know how they how they think about the world, interact with friends, interact with others, get homework done, all of that is dramatically different than and their expectations are dramatically different than than, than ours. So I think we have to tap into that new generation um, and um, really kind of uh, open up to understand, you know, what they value, how they value it, how they, they choose to work and so on, because, you know, they're really creating this next future. Um, in, in, you know, and kind of the underlying trends that they're starting to build. That said, I think, um, you know, I look at myself, you know, uh, you know, I, I was born in, in the 1950s. Um, but, uh, but I, you know, I love technology. I'm deeply involved with innovation that's taking place in, in a number of different industries. Um, and uh, I just, I'm excited by it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I realize is that for all of us, there's such a diversity of innovation, such a, a tremendous um, scope of what's changing that the key here is developing, you know, and you'll start to see some of these large, you're already seeing some of the larger companies doing this. Um, the key, you know, it, is that he with the best or he slash she with the best innovation network wins. Um, there's no way that one person or one company can stay on top of all of this. So I think the, the the real key is how do we tap into that mix, uh, that that network of people and capabilities and processes and technologies, um, and harness those. So to me, it's uh, you know it's back to the, it's that innovation network. And I think mm-hmm. um, you know I'll tell a quick story. We were uh, it was at Apple in the early days, and we had a guy in. Um, uh, Mike Vance, who did a lot of work with Disney and Imagineering and those kind of things, and he was talking to us about how they developed some of the, you know, different themes that, that are going on there in the rain parade and so on. And he said one of the things that they really tried to do was tap into a very broad group of people, so house, 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 uh, you know, housewives, kids, educators, you know, pyrotechnic experts, digital expert, whatever. Right. Um, and they really kind of brought that collective thought together as they designed these things. And I think going forward, um, we really, we're in a world now where we can reach out and touch those things, bring those things together, uh, bring those voices together, and um, basically be creating that future, um, you know, through kind of that, that network of, of collaboration. So I think, you know, uh, I would say in general, um, the work you know, the the, the best, or the smartest person isn't in the room, right? <laughs> There's right. someplace else, and we need to be able to reach out and t- tap into those. Absolutely, I agree with you. Uh, one, and I could talk about this for all day because this is this is just so fascinating. But one last question: As marketers, what are some of the best practices we should be developing? 
to increase the likelihood we're going to be successful in this, in this digital transformation process. Are there some things you can just share with us as a, a few final thoughts? Yeah, so we, we've talked a little bit about, you know, getting outside of your own box and getting mm-hmm. into, into your customers. Um, you know, working, I think, you know, the, the other thing is working with, you know, a practice has to be working with customers who are out there on the innovative edge. You know, most of us get caught up in the people who are, you know, driving most of the revenue for us. Um, and the truth is that rarely are they the people who are creating the future that you need to make sure you've got you're, you're going to be a part of. So I think working with the customers out there on the innovative edge, you've got to be a discipline every marketer engages in. I think unquestionably, marketers have to step up to this whole world of data and analytics. I mean, that's what we're becoming. Um, and um, though you know, if you don't understand how to get to understand how to create meaning. Uh, from data and create mm-hmm. value from data for your customers and yourself um, in uh, in terms of not only, you know, the products that you build or services that you build for them, but how you create value through, for them throughout their customer journey, right? Um, you're going to lose as a marketer. So I think that's another fundamental uh, shift that has to take place. Um, and then um, I think um, the other thing that we're going to find is as marketers – uh, because this pace of innovation and the dialogue, the dialogue and pace of innovation are accelerating so much, um, you, you really do, if, if you want the customers who are going to rebirth industries and, and rebirth market segments, um, if you want those to be, um, you know, your customers, the other thing you really have to do is step into a thought leadership role with them and kind mm-hmm. of a co-invention role with them. So I think, you know, uh, different companies that their responsibility lies in different areas, but I think, you know, whether you're a product marketing person, a product manager, or a marketing person, uh, if if um, you know, you need to step into that role of how do we create and deliver thought leadership to the world. Uh, so I think those are kind of three primary areas that I would say marketing needs to step up to. Yep, that's a, that makes sense. Absolutely, get outside of our own box, work with customers on the innovative edge, step up to data and analytics so we understand how to create meaning and value from that, and then make sure that we're in the thought leadership role and and co-inventing where we need to be. Well, thank you, Mike. This has just been fantastic. I've enjoyed chatting with you. Um, And I just want to mention that you are going to be speaking um, to the uh, Marketing Executives Networking Group, MANG, Northern California, on Thursday, January, January 21st, about essential changes for marketing leaders with digital transformation. So people will be able to hear you then, but can you tell us how else they can get in touch with you? Uh, sure. So you can reach me at the Silicon Valley Innovation Center, um, and so that's mconnor at uh, sbicenter.com. Uh, as uh, you said earlier, I'm going to be holding a conference um, principally for the insurance uh, industry focused on customer engagement at the digital edge. Um, so you can be looking for that. We'll have that up on our website soon as well as Eventbrite. And uh, I'd say if you're a financial professional or in the financial markets at all or just want to understand where the next generation of uh, customer engagement is going to go, that would be a great conference to get to and you can find me there. Fantastic. Thank you, Mike. Um, it's, uh, it's been wonderful to have you here. Linda, thank you. 
Okay. Until next time, this is Linda Popke. Thank you for listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by Leverage 2 Market Associates. If you'd like to find out how powerful marketing results can transform your organization, contact us at www.leverage2market.com.